Hi, everyone, and welcome to VMware's Partnership Perspectives podcast. I'm Kathleen Tandy, Vice President of Global Partner and Alliance Marketing at VMware, and I'm pleased to bring you the stories and trends from our VMware partners, executives, and industry analysts. Today, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Eve Sandfort, CEO of Com Division. Together, we covered the future of remote work, the evolution of services-focused partners, and the importance of employee engagement during this past year. I'm excited to share that full conversation now. Eve, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on the call. So first, I'd like to start by wishing you a happy birthday, because I understand that Com Division is 25 years old this year. So congratulations. It's 25 years already. We started 96 and we actually started a bit earlier, but the official company funding was uh, 96. And we actually even started with a SaaS service, even though it wasn't called SaaS service back then. We, we started with coming up with a crazy idea that someone would be able to manage their web pages by themselves over a database uh, solution and stuff like that and hosted that as a rented solution. Back then we were still calling those uh, rented applications or rented services, not SaaS applications and stuff like that. But yeah, that's how we started. That's fascinating. It's it's fascinating to think that even then, 25 years ago, Com Division was on the cutting edge, as you continue to be, and how the more things change, the more things stay the same. You know, for listeners who may not have heard of you before, can you tell us about today, what Com Division offers, what markets you serve, how you work with VMware, and what makes Com Division unique? We are 25 years in business already. Uh, we always had a strong data center background. We were always kind of cutting edge and we were an early adopter of VMware technologies really and the hosting and data center business. In around 2009, we split off the data center business and actually sold that to a US company and focused completely on consulting and training and enablement services, which was also the point where VMware approached us and asked us, is like, can you help us with partner enablement and really backend services? And we always said, it's like, we are not really good in the front line. At least back in those days, we weren't good there. We were good in from an architecture and skill set perspective. And that was actually how our relationship with VMware started. So I think up until three or four years ago, our primary business was to support other partners and VMware customers, but more from the back end. So no one saw us. And up until I think three, four, five years ago, we're actually at a partner event or a strategic customer event. Pet had nothing better to do than introduce us in front of everybody as one of the strategic partners and said, it's like, it would be good for some customers to listen to us and uh, to follow along uh, on how we think the world is going to change and how we would implement certain services. And that kind of changed us because all of a sudden we were a bit more in the spotlight. We were initially involved when VMware started VCOps, VROps. We were initially involved in Cloud Director was started, VRA. So a lot of the flagship products which VMware nowadays has were initially products where we were not only being one of the first consulting partners around the globe, delivering services around this, but also in many areas, helping even to build materials and content for other partners to adopt because 
we always knew we can't scale globally and we are never going to be a 15,000 people company delivering services all around the globe. But we are good in quickly adopting new products, adopting customer challenges and paving the way for others so that it becomes easier for them. So about a year ago, a German car manufacturer called us, their CIO called us and said, it's like, we have a challenge with a major VDI, so virtual desktop project. And it sounds like no one has done this before. So would you guys jump in and help? And sometimes even for other people, quite hard to believe, but it's it's really to a certain degree, our strength is also how small and agile we are because we can turn around much faster. Yep. And I think that's a huge difference why also within the customers, very often their IT teams are not necessarily fighting us, especially when it comes down to projects, which in the beginning, are internally not necessarily easy to position. If I take that car manufacturer scenario, we are moving 50,000 plus desktops out of their on-prem data centers into the cloud. That clearly creates fear, even in the IT department. Mm. Someone is taking 50,000 desktops out of my data center and putting them into the cloud. This means it's like, what is with all the people who managed this up until now? And so I think this is one of the differences on how we approach the projects and how we work with the customer teams that they understand that whatever we do there is we take them on the journey. They can learn on the journey and to be realistic in most customers is like, they have such a backlog from an IT perspective, there is typically no reason to actually get, get rid of the people. Everybody is happy if they have skilled people. So just actually refocusing them and putting them on other projects and taking them along the journey because these 50,000 desktops still need to be managed, whether they are in the cloud or on-prem. And it's just one of the examples where we work a bit differently, I think. A couple of things come to mind, Eve, listening to your comments on how you've seen Common Division's business evolve and work with customers is one, the, the concept of a partner ecosystem. We're talking a lot about these days as customers are adopting a full range of products across the whole IT stack. There's frequently no one partner who can do everything. And we're seeing this more and more partners working together around one particular, you know, digital transformation initiative. So again, Com Division sounds like was at the forefront working with other partners, is setting the stage for other partners within this as well. And then talking a lot about services, it is about helping the customers adopt, which is clearly critical, but it's also helping IT organizations get better use out of all of their resources, including their people, helping to shift and transform so that they can deliver higher value impact, not just necessarily managing desktops. A year ago, I know you had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Rich Steves, who now leads Partner Lifecycle Services for VMware. And you were talking just last April about how Com Division was starting to address the needs that your customers were seeing at the start of the global pandemic that we've all lived through over the last year. It has definitely been quite a year. What have been the biggest challenges for Com Division over the last year in working with your customers? And what happened over the last year that really surprised you? Or did it go as you were thinking it would go? I think back in those days, we were still very early on. We were expecting that the pandemic would take longer. I think no one really expected that it would take that long. We turned around ourselves relatively quickly in the beginning where we said is the first thing was reassuring everybody on the team that there is no change going on. 
We were in the lucky position on the other hand that we just signed two or three major contracts with uh, service providers from the US, which were always planned to be remotely done anyway. So for us, it was actually, it's interesting to say that, but it was the best year we had over the last 25 years. We actually, I think, more than doubled uh, our revenue to the year before. And that in a time of a pandemic where everybody was dried, uh, more or less running crazy. But I think one of the differences we did very early on is, is nearly on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, we took a very close analysis on what works with our customers and what doesn't work. And one of the things we figured out very, very early on is that the legacy or heritage or classic approach of doing nine to five consultancy doesn't work anymore. The same as we said, it's like classic legacy nine to five training doesn't work anymore. We changed the model and we offered customers in saying it's like, look, instead of that, we do eight hour Zoom sessions, we do two or three or four hours a day and we combine different projects, which also on the other side made it easier for our team because they had different tasks during the day. So it was much easier for them to keep up with it and to maintain a different balance. And everybody could adopt also to the challenges of having the kids at home and having to do your own homeschooling or having to figure out other problems which we had to solve on the way because it's like were so many changes and again for us the huge difference is as we are really working around the globe people could quickly adopt to it so we called out for some people who said it's like look for me with the kids it would be easier if i would actually do an early morning shift and maybe a longer evening shift and so people took on projects we had for customers in Asia and actually worked with them from four to six in the morning. The employees are more important than that because if, if I mistreat my employees or if, if the team is actually not motivated to actually work on something, then they will not actually treat the customer well. So that's more or less the same story for us. We, we always looked at like what's working with the customers, what's working on our side internally. And as we analyzed those two different areas, we could adopt to it. And I heard that the last two weeks or three weeks as we work with customers towards all the projects up until the end of this year now, the feedback came back very often where they said it's like it's so relaxing to work with you because you just adjust to our needs. So that's something we also did with most customers where we said it's like, look, we just put up a calendar and a schedule now for the next six, eight weeks on the project. If something actually drops out or you need to cancel something, just ping us, give us an email. And because the last thing which doesn't work is a consulting engagement where the customer from their perspective clearly pays a high daily rate and their own people don't have the time to work with us. So it's important that both parties always have the necessary time and everything to work together. Otherwise, it doesn't produce the outcome. How have you worked to help balance that for your employees and your talent, which is so critical to ComDivision success? When we look at our group, we at least to a certain degree had several opportunities where we could still bring the team together, which is the advantage of being a smaller group of people so that we could at least get some of the teams together from time to time. And that definitely helped that we could at least have small work groups come together, like two, three, four people work on a small project, deliver a specific service or 
I was actually delivering a training class we did for customers in Asia Pack right here out of my office uh, together with a colleague who was flying in from Vienna just to make that work for one week because it was much easier, especially if you have to get up at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning to deliver a workshop. Mm. It's much more fun if you are with two people in a room and can deliver it more or less face to face towards the customer. So we had that opportunity to make those adjustments. So the other thing we did is we also have more open roundtables. So at least in the beginning, during every day, we had a Zoom room open, which was more like a coffee corner, which everybody could actually go to at any point in time. We dropped that at one stage because it was not not necessarily helping anyone anymore. But we still have this that nearly every week we have people who just set up a Zoom session in the evening and say it's like, let's get together for some people might be working and some people might just have a beer or something. And a few months back, we had a big uh, Lego build out where everybody got a surprise box home and we had the complete uh, team build Lego, I think, trucks challenge for a lot of us where we have too many people in the company with kids now. But that's also one of the advantages out of this time is we are working far more intensively with the family. If I think how many family members from customers and vendors I have met over the last year and a half, I even had that where I was invited at a board meeting for a customer to talk about the next two years cloud strategy with their board. And all of a sudden, my daughter had nothing better to do than come into my room and really declare that it's now her time. And she now needs to have me for five minutes because there was an urgent problem with her Lego train, which didn't work. And that needed full attention now. And something which I think if we look back two or three years ago, everybody would have been is like, doesn't he have his family under control or something else? Whereas nowadays, this is totally acceptable to a certain degree that everybody went, it's like, yeah, we are going to have a coffee break now for five minutes until they figure out what's going on with the train and then we move on. And I think that is the good part is as much as we are more apart during these Corona and COVID times, I think on the other side, we actually are much more near because it's much, to a certain degree, it's really much more human. I think it is very ironic and completely agree with you, Eve, that we are all going through this massive shared personal experience. And while we are separate and more separate than we've ever been, we are coming together in this more human ways, um, in ways that, as you mentioned, no one would have seen acceptable a year ago. I love your idea about the Lego build out. I'm taking a note because as we are also finding ways to stay, help people stay connected, I love that idea of building something together. So I think that's a great, great practice. The other thing at the beginning of 2020, you were quoted in a, in a blog post that I've read saying that 2020 would finally be the year of the desktop. And which is a, a phrase and a prediction that in my 12 years at VMware, I think I've heard every year, this is going to be the year of the desktop. Was 2020, with this year thankfully behind us, in your opinion, was it finally the year of the desktop or the year of the virtual desktop? 2020 was the year of multiple different things. Uh, first of all, it was clearly the year of the virtual desktop or, or a mobile worker because finally it was just enforced. There was no excuse anymore to not make it work and not make it happen. At the same point in time, it was also, in many cases, at least for several of our customers, the year of the cloud, because some which were at least partially prepared on cloud projects, all of a sudden pulled them front because 
they couldn't figure out how to solve bandwidth and other issues in their data centers. And all of a sudden it was just like, let's discuss if we just actually create all these desktops in the cloud. So um, the um, number of projects we had, whether it was on VMC or on with Horizon on Azure, was just much higher than we expected. We expected that we would do a much more a local integration. But for many customers, it was they were not prepared for it. They couldn't get hardware or anything else. I mean, cloud was not necessarily easy and sometimes as well. But it was definitely an enabler to, to get into those discussions. And even for customers which were never even thinking about this, like insurance companies, banks, etc., which are typically very held back. And especially those are customers where you would say it's like, for them, home office is easily possible. But they were, due to privacy, especially here in Europe, uh, privacy security reasons, they try to always enforce everybody to work from the office. But now they were, because they had no good excuses. Like, how do you really explain why someone who is working in the back office in a bank or insurance company can't work from home? All their paperwork is digitized for years. It's like, there is no reason for not making this happen. So that was definitely an area where the VDI part came in. And the other parts is, and, and I think we even did a few light boards or fireside chats about that, is the whole idea of also employee onboarding and offboarding to a certain degree is because you don't have people come to the office anymore. So if my onboarding and offboarding procedure all of the sudden needs to work in the cloud, and with sending the boxes over with UPS to someone in the home office and ensuring that they get the computer and everything set up in the home office versus the normal procedure for most companies is they buy equipment, they their internal IT team prepares it or an external service provider prepares it, and then it's a completely validated, handed over to the end user. And this whole process seems to be no longer, I mean, it's still feasible and workable, but it's not effective anymore. So we need to find new ways on how to bring the device ideally directly, whether it's Apple, Dell, HPE, or whoever else, ideally get the device directly from manufacturing to the end customer or end user. And then we need to figure out how do we solve the onboarding? And in the other hand, it's also the offboarding procedure. How do we get them off the device anymore? And how do we protect the devices? So I think there is a lot of challenges. We will also still see a lot of uh, security challenges ahead of us because one of the things which is very, very clear is many, many companies who just opened up more or less the floodgates of allowing remote work we're even near prepared from a security perspective. And when we see how slowly, like lately, the exchange security patches, which at least they said in EMEA, I think currently still over 60% of the systems are not patched. If we consider this for, for desktop and other computers, which have a completely other security scenario, we will have much more security incidents in the next one or two or three years. And we can only try to help the customers now in the afterworks and potentially even, and that's clearly something which we see moving forward, is implementing new ways of security. And hopefully we are still fast enough to, and early enough to figure out what's wrong in the customer to potentially even fix if they have been infiltrated already. But I think that's the next big wave. Now that we have solved the VDI and access issues and all of that, and there are still things to solve, 
But we have, even from a VMware perspective, and to that degree, we can only say it's like VMware has completed, at least on that front end, most of the stack, because we have, beside Horizon and VDI, we have, uh, with the SD-WAN VeloCloud solution, a possibility to make even secure home office integrations with multiple uplinks possible. We are currently evaluating this in a combination and it's sad enough that we have to say that from Germany, but we still have enough problems in certain rural areas to get internet connectivity. So we are evaluating with the SpaceX Starlink uplinks now and how we can combine that with VeloCloud for customers and home offices to make that work. That sounds like an amazing project. I'm looking forward to hearing about how that ComDivision is involved in that and expanding internet access, because it is a critical issue for so many people. I mean, not just in Germany, around the world. And increasingly in a digital planet, uh, we don't want to create two classes of people, people who are connected and people who, who aren't. It's going to be critical. I'm glad you brought up the, the comment about security. I was going to ask you and see with the shift to desktop, with the shift to cloud, the acceleration we're seeing across the board, were you also seeing those shifts around security? And are your customers seeing it as much as you are? Are you getting any pushback? You said this is going to be the next wave. Are they seeing the need now? Or are you still having to convince them? Customers are not necessarily seeing the full value in it now, because I think we they haven't seen enough incidents. I mean, we have mm. seen enough ransomware incidents in the last even 12 months, but I would expect that we will see more and more also data breaches, things like what we just heard the other day and it seems like to be not a data breach as as we would normally consider it whereas LinkedIn losing half a million of customer datas uh, however that went down we will see more things like that and I would not necessarily expect that companies who have been open are going to expect ransomware attacks that's one scenario but things we have learned over the last one or two years is also other ways of ransomware of it's like uh, we are just going to make information about your company public and that's a completely new way and in reality let's face it let's call it dark business has always existed i mean there has always been the idea of going into a company figuring out what they are doing wrong and threatening them to make it public that's nothing new that worked already in the middle ages and things like that are going to continue. It's just the way is much easier now because you don't need to physically be there anymore. Uh, you can attack companies really from far away. But the point here is we will see things like that happen more and more and we will definitely see companies struggle with it and that will definitely drive new demands for security. Because what we see at the moment is in reality we have all the tools and it doesn't necessarily matter which tools we have. The challenge with most corporations and I think that's something which VMware now addresses with, with Carbon Black and other solutions is it's too many tools. They are completely not connected to each other. It's lacking the required platform behind that. It's always point solutions and it's bolted on. And as always said, it's like if you bolt on security, very good examples of that is imagine you build a house and you actually create a, a nice looking wooden door and you don't put any locks in it. And then later on you figure out it's like, hmm, that's maybe not a good idea. People can just walk in and out. So you then try to actually put locks on it. It will A, look very awkward and B, it will not be as comfortable as if you would have built a system directly in place from day one on how to protect your home or your door. 
And that's the same with IT security is whenever we try to put IT security on top of something without it having been there by intention in the first place, it will feel awkward, look bad and have a negative impact on the user experience. And we shouldn't underestimate how important user experience is going to be because there is a new challenge for corporations as well is it's not only that we have now the home office, we also have in the last 12, 24 months changed the world into a way that everybody can work from anywhere, everywhere. So you were mentioning the importance about thinking about the user experience, the customer experience. I want to shift to something that Com Division is doing to invest, I know, so that you can make sure you're delivering an amazing customer experience every time. And that has been your investment in VMware's master services competencies. You are unique in that you are one of a handful of elite partners around the world that have all seven. And I believe you were just the second partner in the world to achieve all seven of those, which really shows tremendous commitment, but I think also the commitment to the investment of the the capabilities of your team and your people. How has that impacted your business and positioned you for your relationship with your customers? So when we look at the master services competencies, when they first came out, I think three, four, five years ago, that was the first time for us to really look into VMware partner programs or possibilities inside the partner programs. Because up until that, we weren't really a transactional partner in Mm -hmm. the first place. So from that perspective, we were not necessarily on the high radar. And the old, old partner program was really more focused on it's like, how much revenue do you make? And based on the revenue, you get into a certain category, period. And that was it. I remember back in one of those years before we had the MSCs, Sitting, I think, in during VMworld Barcelona together with, uh, I'm not going to call out the name, but one of the large consulting firms, global consulting firms, there are not that many. One of them actually was sitting with me and in the hotel bar, and we were talking about VMware services and everything else. And he said, it's like, look, we now finally have 10 VCPs on the team. And I was like, uh-huh. That's interesting. You know that my team has over back then, I think, 30 VCP titles. And he looked at me, it's like, why do you do that? So I was like, because we invest not only in getting people trained, but also getting the certifications for us in many cases. For for a lot of our team members, it's more a fun game. It's like, who does it first? Mm -hmm. And who is the quickest to actually adopt certifications? Which is also one of the reasons why we not necessarily have an endless budget for everybody on the team, but if someone says they want to do certifications, they can always do that. So that's definitely, that was that part. But the master services competencies made it more worthwhile for us because we have, most of our people are were instructors, are still instructors. I think we still have seven VMware instructors on the team. We are not teaching that much anymore because our other projects keep us too busy. And many of us actually think we should be teaching more, but that's a different story. But the point here is it all of a sudden made value or it made a difference. And I think that's also quite a difference because that also shows that also the market in EMEA is changing. Because in the past, as I said, we have been helping VMware also with partner go-to-market and partner education for many, many years to customers. It's like what the MSCs make for a difference because that proves not only that we have invested in education, but this also proves that we have been able to successfully deliver customer implementations. 
And I think that's important for the customers because that's one of the relatively small amount of ways to validate partner skill sets nowadays. And so for us, it definitely is a differentiator that we now have these master services competencies because it allows us to more boldly go in front of the customers and say, it's like, look, this is what we have. And there is only a relatively small amount of partners around the globe who are on this level. This is also helping us together with other partners. As you said, it's like for in the beginning, VMware has changed. And for us, the business also, we are still working a lot with other partners. And it has changed for us because we now all of a sudden sit together with other large, let's say, transaction partners in very high position meetings with the customers. And they no longer try to hide that we are ComDivision. They are actually going actively in front of the customer and say, it's like, look, We can help you with all the licensing and everything else. And we brought one of the best partners around the globe to help you with the implementation service. And if we just need more staffing, we can help that. So there is just a combined uh, scenario. So even other partners see the value out of it and present us differently. So it's great to hear it's made a positive impact on your business. It's been exciting to see that. And it has been, I have to remark that we are seeing our EMEA partners lead the way clearly in terms of investing. And it's been a fascinating change. And we're looking at other partners around the globe to follow your lead. What I would love to close on today, Eve, is I also understand that you are a pilot. And I don't know if you've gotten much chance, but I'm thinking being a pilot is certainly socially distant. And I'm wondering if over the last year you've had much chance to enjoy that, how you're staying and keeping your pilot skills sharp. And what do you think being a pilot or being trained as a pilot has done for you as a, the leader of comm division? Is there any relationship there? So let me start off with the part. I actually did my first pilot's license, I think, with 16 or 17 as a glider pilot because that was more, is more a family history. My uncle actually was a glider pilot and my grandfather actually opened up one of the first regional airports, not, not a lot by himself, but he was actually part of that group who founded that uh, small little airport in the first place. Taking decisions in at a relatively fast pace, that's also one of the clear skill sets you have because... For some decisions, there is no second decision as a pilot from, from that perspective. And that's especially where I would say is starting off as a glider pilot was actually even more of that because there is nothing like a second attempt to land because there is no engine on the plane. If you decide to land, that's your final decision. If you have decided to do that now, no matter what it takes, it's going to happen now. And I think that's something which trained me a bit for business for later is being dependent on the decisions you have taken, taking it to the end, whether it's harmful or not. You can, to a certain degree, make changes, but that's how it is. The other part out of it is, and also that's one of the parts as a pilot, you learn relatively quickly to not necessarily listen what other people say about your pilot skills or anything else. You need to worry it about yourself because you are responsible for all of that. It doesn't matter what someone thinks, how you do this or not. I mean, yes, you're instructor and checker pilot. That's a different story. But other than that, it's completely by yourself. And I think that's that part of the story. It's just been a pleasure to hear about your perspectives on the industry, about Com Division's 25-year success story, I think rooted in your flexibility, your agility, your commitment to training and investing in your employees and people, and clearly playing a critical role with your customer success. And I love to know 
that comm division has moved from being in the back room now to being out in front and playing a key role in the industry. And looking forward to seeing another 25 years of fantastic success with comm division with you at the helm. So thank you so much. Thank you. Looking forward to the next 25 years. Let's see where we get. And we're back. What great perspectives from Eve. I really enjoyed that conversation and hope you did too. Thank you for joining us today and listening in. To learn more about ComDivision, please visit comdivision.com. And to connect with Eve, you can find him on LinkedIn or on Twitter at at Eve Sanfort. Please subscribe, follow, and review VMware Partnership Perspectives from your streaming platform of choice. And for more information on VMware's partner programs, please visit VMware Executive Edge at VMware.com. I'm Kathleen Tandy, and you've been listening to VMware Partnership Perspectives. Thanks for listening.